Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. The greatest story in human history is the story of Easter. And, and if you really want to understand why the story of Easter is the greatest story in history, here's what you also have to understand, that in your city today, around your world today, there are stories playing out. Millions of stories, each one of them unique, shaped by the past, lived in the present, creating a future. And every one of those stories matters a lot. Not too far from where you are right now. Two mornings from today, a single mom will tiptoe down the hall. She wants to give her three kids just a few more minutes to sleep. And to be honest, she wants to give herself just a few more minutes of peace. She arrives in the kitchen, she's preparing breakfast and making lunches, getting ready for the day. And if you showed up in that moment and you said to her, hey, how did you sleep? She'd be shocked. First of all, because you showed up. But secondly, because she can't remember the last time anybody asked her how she was doing. Not her boss who sees her as a means to an end. Not her neighbors. The only time that her neighbors talk to her is when they're complaining about her kids being too rambunctious, too loud, or too happy, I guess not her parents. See, her parents wrote her off a while back when they finally figured out that she was never quite going to attain to that perfect roadmap that they had laid out for her life. So they don't talk to her anymore. But if you showed up and you asked her how she slept last night, she'd be shocked. But if she was completely honest, she'd say, not much. Not ever. But every morning, no matter how much she slept or how little, She wakes up and she pours herself out for those three children. She made a decision that she was going to be a rock for those kids who have already faced too much uncertainty, that she was going to be strength when they felt weak. But every once in a while, on mornings like this one, she wonders, is anyone going to pour themselves out for her? Be her rock and be her strength? I guess her biggest question is, does anybody care about me? A couple blocks down from where this single mom is making breakfast, a 22-year-old dude is just arriving home from a night on the town. He's tiptoeing also. He doesn't want to make up his roommates. It's kind of weird, you know, arriving home when the sun is just coming up, but he's getting kind of used to it by now. You know, when he first started all this partying and all this noise and all this out of control, man, it, it felt so good and so free, but it doesn't feel so free anymore. It's starting to kind of feel like Groundhog Day. Like it's the same night over and over and over and over again. Like different places, same night. Different faces, same night. Different journey, same destination. And lately it feels like he's running and running and running just to stand still. And here's the crazy thing. His roommates are worried about him. <laughs> now if you knew the wingnuts that he lived with, you would know how crazy that is. They're actually worried about him. And he's in this place now where he is just running and running and running just to stand still. And he's got this inkling as he slips off his shoes and he climbs into bed that maybe the only way that he's ever going to move forward is to stop. But he doesn't know if he can. So he lays his head on his pillow and he realizes that's the same old pillowcase that he's had since he was a little kid. The, the white one with the flowers on it. And as he breathes deeply 
into that pillow. It's like he can catch a faint smell of home. But maybe he's just imagining it. And he felt a faint stirring of hope. But maybe just imagine that too. And I guess what he's asking himself just as he drifts off to sleep that night is, is it too late already? Across town, there's a mother and father sitting down for breakfast. Neither of them is talking, but they both know what the other one is thinking. See, their youngest daughter left yesterday morning for Edmonton. She got a great job at a clinic there, and they're so happy for her, and they're so proud of all their kids, that they're doing well, so grateful that they're on the right track, so happy, so proud, and so grateful, and so incredibly lonely. Their eyes meet across the table, and there's a question. It's unspoken, but it's hanging in the air like a cloud over their lives. After raising three kids and giving everything they had to them, what do we do now? Near the city center, close to the hospital, there's an older gentleman in a care home. And about once a week, something happens to him that's really pretty sad. When he wakes up in the morning, just before he opens his eyes, he forgets that he's in a care home. What he thinks is that he's like home, home. Like the little house in 2nd Avenue. And he imagines that he's lying there beside his wife and he thinks to himself, man, I, I got to get up, but I don't want to wake her up. It's going to be a big day today. I want her to let her sleep. But I got to get out to the backyard because the kids are coming over with the grandkids and we're going to have a barbecue and it's going to be crazy and it's going to be tiring, but it's going to be so good. And then he opens his eyes. <clears throat> and he realizes that he's not home. He's, he's in that care home. And his wife isn't lying beside him. She's passed away a year and a half ago. There is no backyard to tidy. And his kids and his grandkids, well, they've been really, really busy, you know. And he can't remember the last time that he saw them. And he really doesn't have any reason to get up. So he closes his eyes again, asking himself this question. What am I doing here? And very near there at that same moment, there's a husband sitting beside his wife's hospital bed. They had their first baby last night, a baby girl. And she's perfect and she's healthy and she's so beautiful. And he looks up at his wife and he thinks, speaking of beautiful, she's so courageous, she's so heroic, she's so strong and she's so incredibly beautiful. And he's looking at her and his wife opens her eyes and gives him a tired smile, reaches out her hand, and he takes it. And just then the nurse walks in the room and says, everything looks great. You guys can go home anytime you want. And they both say in unison, great, perfect, thank you. But their eyes meet, and they're both asking the same question. Are we even ready? And over in Eastview Secondary School, near the suburbs, there's a young woman preparing to teach her first lesson. See, she took education in university largely because of two teachers who really changed her life. They encouraged her when she really needed it. They believed in her when no one else did. They inspired her when she was desperately in need of inspiration. 
And so she was so inspired, in fact, that she decided that she would become a teacher and she would try to make the kind of difference that those teachers made in her lives in the lives of other people. But now this is the moment. And she's getting ready to teach her first lesson and she thinks to herself, I'm nothing like those teachers who inspired me. Like, what if I forget everything? What if the kids don't like me? Like, what if they see how much I'm shaking and they laugh at me? And basically, with just minutes to go before the bell rings, the overarching thought that she has in her mind, the overarching question is this, what if I fail? It's interesting because at that very same moment, there's an alumni from Eastview Secondary School who's just getting up in a back alley downtown. See, he slept last night on that piece of cardboard and he stands up and he's slowly making his way out of the alley. Did I say he was 37 years old? Yeah, well, he was. He, he actually is turning 38 today. It's his birthday. But the thing is, there's no candles for him. There's no cake for him. There's no presents for him. He's probably the only one in the world that even knows it's his birthday. But he starts to go over in his mind, how did it come to this on my 38th birthday that I would be waking up in an alley? And interestingly enough, Eastview Secondary School comes to his mind. See, he arrived at Eastview Secondary School when he was in grade 8. And immediately, the teachers and the administrative staff labeled him as a behavior problem with a terrible attitude. A behavior problem with a terrible attitude. And here's the thing, they were right. He was a behavior problem with a terrible attitude. But there's something that they didn't know. What they didn't know was that there was a storm raging in his life. Because there was a storm raging in his family. As long as he could remember, his mom and dad had been fighting. They would scream at each other, and then one night, he was standing there, and he watched his dad hit his mom. And out of all the memories, and out of all the trauma, and out of all the terror he experienced, that was the worst one. That's the scene that keeps playing over and over in his head, more even than the times that his dad punched him and kicked him and called him, him names and threatened him. See, that storm was raging at home. Calm would come sometimes when his mom would tell his dad, you need to get out, and he would actually leave for a time. And then it was just him and his mom. And those days were beautiful. They were flat, broke, but it was just the two of them. And he remembers sitting on that second-hand couch, cuddling up with his mom, eating Mr. Noodles and watching the fresh prince of bel-air but the calm would never last because his dad would show up at the doorstep full of contrition with lots of promises and the contrition was phony and the promises were soon broken and next thing you know the terror came back and the trauma came back and the ugly came back and the scars the scars not the scars on his face it's amazingly it's amazing how well those scars healed but the scars on his soul And so when he showed up at Eastview Secondary School in grade 8, he was a behavior problem with a terrible attitude. And the reason why was because he was doing everything in his power to try to hide, to try to cover those scars on his soul. But nothing worked. The storm kept raging. Until finally, in the summer between grade 10 and grade 11, he quit school and he left home 
and he made as much money as he could, and he spent it all to try to cover those scars, to try to hide those scars and stop the storm until he had absolutely nothing left. And it's actually amazing how fast 20 years goes. And here he is on his 38th birthday, and what he's wondering is, will this storm ever stop? It's interesting because just two blocks away from there is the fanciest office building in town. And on the seventh floor in a corner office, a woman has been sitting at her desk since 4 a.m. Behind her is a picture. It's a picture of her on the cover of BC Business Magazine. She was named the top innovator of 2020. And if you read the article, it talks about how the fact in the toughest year of our lifetime that she still innovated, she still led, and she still thrived. And as you can imagine, someone who has that kind of award behind their name, she gets all the perks. She has a beautiful house, great cars, great clothes, expense account, travel. It's amazing. And yet she's been sitting at this torch pine desk since 4 a.m. trying to figure out one reason why she should keep on living. And the best thing that she can do at that point is just ask herself this question. Isn't there more to life than this? And so what I'm wondering at this point is I'm wondering if some of you are looking at me saying, Mike, those are neat stories, you know, pretty inspirational, pretty interesting, pretty moving, but none of them really describe my story. So why don't you tell my story? Okay, let me take a crack at it. I'm guessing that about 18 months ago, people in your life would have described you as encouraging, optimistic, and enthusiastic. But something happened. About 12 months ago, something called COVID. And I don't know about you, but it seems like for most of us, we kind of had this sense that we lost control of our lives. Like, do you remember when it first hit? I thought it was going to last a couple weeks. And then somebody said it might be months, and I thought, months? And, well, here we are. And quite quickly, it started to feel like, man, there's not a lot. I, I can't even control whether I can find toilet paper or not. But then they told us, they said, you need to wear a mask because it will protect you. But then they said, no, actually, you don't need to wear a mask because it won't protect you. But then they said, actually, it won't protect you, but it will protect other people, so you should really wear a mask. And then they said, you should wear two masks if you could. And you know what would be even better than two masks would be three masks. And then they said... We needed to flatten the curve. And then we flattened the curve, but then they said, oh, that was only part of it because then there was strain one and strain two and strain three. And can I say something? <laughs> There's nothing against they because they are reacting just like the rest of us are. But then they said that a vaccine was coming and then we were going to go back to normal. But then they said, well, maybe not. And then they said we could meet together at Easter. And then they said, we couldn't. And then they said, we could again. And then they said, we couldn't. And then they said, we could again. And then they said, we couldn't. And so sometimes it feels like these last 12 months have been a little bit like a bad movie. You know, but when you go to a bad movie, you can walk out after two hours and you say, remember when we used to be able to walk out of movies? Okay, you, you say to yourself, well, that's two hours of my life that I'll never get back. 
but this has been 12 months. And here's the thing. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. But remember 18 months ago, they described you as optimistic, enthusiastic, and encouraging. And now if they were completely honest, they would say, a little bit cynical, a little bit sarcastic, a little bit discouraged. And the question that you're living with today is this. Is it ever going to get better? See, all over your city today, all over our world today, there are stories being lived out, millions of them, every one of them unique, shaped by the past, lived in the present, creating a future. And every one of those stories matters a lot. And out of those stories come questions, millions and millions and millions of questions, each one of them unique, and every one of them matters. Your questions matter a lot. And that's why the greatest story in human history is the story of Easter, because it is only in the story of Easter, in the story of Jesus, that your story will find resolution and your questions, your deepest questions, will be answered. Let me explain that to you by going to probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible. You guessed it. John 3:16. John 3:16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Can we talk about that just for a second? For God so loved the world. It's funny how you hear something enough times and the next thing you know, you just kind of, it just goes in one ear and out the other. But have you ever really thought about that? For God so loved the world. You know that you're incapable of loving the world, right? Like You can say it in a generic happy way, but you can't really love the world because you don't know the world. For God so loved the world. In other words, God knows every person. So his love is not only infinite, it's also intimate. So God loves everybody, God loves every person, but he also loves each person. And so what I'm saying to you right now, no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, or what's been done to you, God loves you personally. Not generically, but intimately. Not, not this infinite, global, universal love that just sort of covers everybody with a one-size-fits-all stamp, but he knows your story and he still loves you. He knows every question that you have, and he still loves you fully and totally and completely. God loves you. He doesn't just love every person. He loves each person, including you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, since the dawn of time, Men and women like you and me, we've been trying to strive for our own salvation. We've been trying to get to heaven through our own hard work. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, right? Like one of the ways is materialism. I just make a lot of money, I buy a lot of things, I go on a lot of trips, I accumulate a lot of stuff, and I'm going to save myself. For some people, it's not materialism, it's religion. I'm going to obey all the rules. I'm going to obey all the regulations. If I did some bad things in my past, I'm going to make up for them by doing a lot of good deeds. I'm going to dot every I. I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to save myself that way. For others, it's success. 
and I'm just going to win. Man, winning feels like heaven to me. I'm going to go to heaven through my hard work. I'm going to save myself through striving. And for others, it's just human achievement. Man, we're just, we're just we're growing every day, man. We're just getting so much smarter, aren't we? Isn't it incredible? We're, we're launching rockets. We're going to Mars. Our cars drive themselves. It's so amazing. And the entire world is on hold because of a virus that you can't see with the human eye. In other words, every generation ends up coming to the same conclusion. Here's the problem with you and me. We're earthbound. We can't get to heaven through hard work. We can't save ourselves through striving. It does not work. So what did God do? God sent his one and only son. We couldn't save ourselves, so God sent salvation. We couldn't get to heaven in our own hard work, so God sent heaven to us. Do you understand that Jesus had to come exactly to where you are so that he could rescue you, so that he could save you? In other words, he came as a baby, just like you. Born in a manger, in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. He grew up and went through the toddler years and the adolescent years. And then at about the age of 30, he started preaching and teaching and healing people. And he was fully God, but he was also fully man. So he he was a human representation of the mercy and grace and love and power of God. He preached a message called the gospel, the good news. Good news for all people. And along the way, some of the cultural elite decided they didn't like the idea of good news for all people. So they set up some political channels to get Jesus arrested. He was whipped and beaten, nailed to a Roman cross where he suffered and died. And on the third day, he rose again, and it was all God's plan. Because we couldn't get to heaven through our hard work, that we couldn't find salvation through our striving, God sent heaven to us. God sent salvation to us in Jesus. And I want you to think about that because when God said to his son, Jesus, I want to send you into human history, Jesus knew exactly what that would mean. He knew that it would mean the cross. And I want you to imagine a conversation in heaven that went a little bit like this. God said to Jesus, I need you to go down and I need you to rescue them. I need you to leave your throne in heaven. I need you to go to earth. And Jesus looked at his father and said, what for? Not in a rebellious teenage way, but in an actual serious way, what for? And God said, your name. And Jesus said, I'll go. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, I'm going to leave that one just for a second. I'll get to that one later. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. See, here's the thing. For some of us, our painful past is killing us. Like we're telling these stories that are shaped by our past, but our past is so painful and we can't let it go and it's like ruining our future. So for some people, what it is, it's a past full of regret and shame. A past full of mistakes and baggage. 
And the problem with it is you can't change the past, right? So you look back and you go, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. But, but you can't go back and undo it. You can't go back and unsay it. So there it is. So there it is. It's amazing, though, when you think about it, because Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and he's on a rescue mission, and his invitation was always the same. His invitation was always this, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And so Jesus' invitation is that we would follow him to the cross. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, he performs what's called the beautiful exchange. That when he died, what it means is that we could lay down our regret and our baggage and our shame at the foot of the cross. And the exchange is this. I give Jesus all my wrong and he gives me all his right. I give him all my bad and he gives me all his good. And I let go of my painful past and I move forward and I live freely and lightly. And for other people, it's not regret and it's not shame. It's scars on your soul and there's a storm raging in your life and you can't find calm and you need healing and I would suggest to you too today that the invitation of Jesus stands for you also he says come follow me the Bible says that he was bruised for our transgressions but by his stripes we are healed so Jesus was whipped and beaten and mocked and spit on and he did it all so that you could be whole. He was broken so that you could be whole. Whatever you've walked through, he's familiar with that, with it. He's walked through it too. And he suffered so that you could be healed. Stitch by stitch, by moment by moment, you could step out of the storm and into the calm. See, I think for some of us, our painful past is killing us. And Jesus says, you don't have to live there anymore. It's amazing because if you study history a little bit, what you find out is that history itself is kind of divided, right? It's like divided between B.C. and A.D., right? So like all the years that happened before Christ are B.C., and then all the years that happened after are called Anno Domini, A.D., in the year of our Lord. I would suggest that God's plan for you is exactly the same. That you would have a moment in your life where your life would be divided between B.C. and A.D., before Christ, and in the year of our Lord. As far as the East is from the West, God wants to remove your painful past from you and to start moving into a beautiful, beautiful today and a beautiful future. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. It's such an interesting concept to say that, eternal life. Because I think when we say that, we, we right away imagine, okay, well, God sent Jesus into history so that he could get us to heaven one day. But it's a little bit deeper than that. Because when you go from B.C. to A.D., when, when you invite Jesus into your life, what happens is that your eternal life starts now. So, so God sent Jesus into history, not just to get you to heaven one day, but to get heaven into you. So not only does Jesus invite you to follow him 
to the foot of the cross, Jesus invites you to follow him to the empty tomb because on the third day, Jesus rose again. And what does that mean? It means that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be alive and well and working in you. And that's so important because he gives you the power to be the person that you were created to be today. So if you're weak, he can make you stronger. If you're afraid, he can give you courage. If you're exhausted, he can give you rest. If you feel forgotten, he can remind you that you are remembered. If you feel purposeless, he can give you direction. If you feel lonely, he will show you that you are loved. See, Jesus stepped into human history, not just to get you to heaven one day. That's good. That's great news. I'm so excited. But you need to know that it means that he wants to get heaven into you right now. He wants to change you from the inside out because here's what I know. Here's something I really learned over the last 12 months. If you're waiting on circumstances to change you, it won't work. Changing circumstances don't change people, but changed people change circumstances. So the minute you reach out and invite Jesus into your life, what happens is not only the assurance that he's going to get you to heaven, but the assurance that he's going to get heaven to you. And he's going to change you. And that's going to change everything. That's going to change your marriage. That's going to change your family. That's going to change your friendships. It's going to change you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. I don't know you yet. And I don't know exactly why you're watching or listening to this talk. I don't even know when exactly you're listening to this talk. But let's agree that for right now in this moment, it's Easter. Okay? It's Easter. Because the story of Easter is for every day. And here's what I think. I think as I've been speaking, you've realized that there's parts of your story that you can't resolve on your own. And that you realize there's something deep inside of you that realizes that only Jesus can resolve that part of your story. And I think that you realize that there's questions that you can't answer on your own. And that's why the story of Easter is the resolution to your story and is the answer to your deepest questions. Isn't that incredible when you think about it? For all the people asking, man, who's going to be my rock? Who's going to pour themselves out for me? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody notice me? Can I tell you right now that you have a heavenly father who loves you absolutely, fully, and completely? He knows you. He sees you right now, and he loves you. You have a savior named Jesus who loves you so much that he says you're worth dying for. Everything he did, he would have done if you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued. And for all of the people who are wondering, man, is it too late? Is it over? Am I never going to be able to stop this storm? Can I tell you, it's not too late. See, let's talk about the story of Easter again. They nailed Jesus to a cross, and he hung there for hours and hours. And then he took his last breath and he said, it is finished, and he died. And can you imagine the onlookers saying, man, I really thought he was going to make a difference. Too late now. I, re I really thought he was going to start an incredible movement, but that's over now. You know, I really, really thought that he could make something out of himself, but 
There's no chance now. And then on the third day, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And he said, you thought it was over, but it's not over. You thought you were finished, but you're not finished. Because the same invitation that he gave to follow you to the cross, he's, he's inviting you right now. Would you follow me out of death into life? Out of there is no too late. There is no, it's over. It's never over with Jesus. I stand here today as someone that the world would have looked at and would have said, man, if anybody is a lost cause, that guy is. And maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, man, the world looks at me and says, if anyone's a lost cause, she is. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, no one is a lost cause. It's not over. And it's not too late. And for all of those people wondering, man, am I going to fail? Am I going to fail? Is it ever going to get better? I want to say to you that I don't know exactly what our circumstances are going to look like, but I know this, that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is with you. Oh, and you might not, you might not accomplish everything you want in this lifetime, but you're never going to fail as long as you keep following him one next step at a time. And is it going to get better? Yeah, it is. And you know where it's going to start getting better? Right in here. Right in here. See, all around our world today, there's questions. Millions and millions and millions of questions. And every one of them matters a lot. And around our world, there's stories, millions and millions of unique stories, and every one of them matters a lot. And through this story of Easter, we find resolution for our stories. We find answers to our questions. So as I close today, I want to just ask you, is today the day? I've told you what Jesus did for you. He loves you fully and completely right now. But what I would invite you to do right now is make that step from B.C., before Christ, to A.D., in the year of our Lord. Today is the day that you would take hold of his forgiveness, let go of your painful past, and move forward into a beautiful present and a beautiful future. So if you want to accept that free gift that Jesus already purchased for you at Easter, I want to pray for you right now. So wherever you are right now, I just ask that you would pray along with me. Let's pray. <clears throat> so dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your story changes everything. So today I ask you, I, I come to the foot of the cross right now and I give you my painful past and I want to walk away. I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would begin to heal me stitch by stitch, moment by moment. And today, Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord. I want to follow you not only to the cross, but out of the empty tomb into eternal life that starts right now. Give me strength. Give me courage. Give me hope. Give me optimism. Give me enthusiasm. Give me this, the, give me the, everything I need to, to live the life that you created me to live. Thank you so much. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm so excited. If you want to do me a big favor, could you please text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but we want to support you because we're all living this life together. And not only do we need God, but we need each other to do it well. So I love you guys once again. Happy Easter. The band's going to close us, but I want to invite you one last time. Hey, let's come back together next week. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. 
And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.